welcome to Vet Talk, the veterinary podcast. I'm Dr. Nathan. Thanks for listening. This is an informational podcast, and we hope you find it a valuable tool to help you understand veterinary medicine and how to better care for your animals. If you want to contact us, please reach out to theveterinarypodcast at gmail.com. You can find a complete list of the podcast episodes on SoundCloud or by going to lickingvalleyvet.com and finding the education page. While you are there, take a look at our blog section for more helpful information. You can also follow Licking Valley Veterinary Hospital's Facebook page if you want regular updates on released podcasts, blogs, and videos. If you find this information helpful, please feel free to make a donation to the continuation of this content. There is a link to do this on the webpage under the podcast list. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope this information is helpful to you. Today's episode will be about cows. Actually, this will probably turn into an episode arc. After I finish this arc, I will likely have told you everything I know about cattle. Because it's not much. I never thought I would be dealing with cows when I graduated school. Now I'm one of the dying breed of practitioners who provide services to cattle. So I think for many people this will be boring, because how many of us really see cows in our daily life? We do see them in the supermarket. So as boring as it may be, this podcast arc will give valuable insight into what farmers are trying to figure out and what vets are struggling to get farmers to do to make sure our food supply is safe. But let's see how far away we really are from cows. A quick Google search reveals 67% of Americans own pets. 3.8% of Americans are vegan or vegetarian. That means 96.2% of Americans eat meat, which likely a high number of those meat eaters eat meat from cattle which really means Americans are more likely to come in contact with a cow than a dog or a cat. (laughs) And I don't just mean on the dinner table. If you are not eating steak and don't own a pet, you have had contact with an animal and are just a step away from a farmer. Cattle byproducts can be used in soaps, and how many of us don't bathe ourselves? I mean, everyone does, at least once a month, right? Let's not forget leather. Leather jackets, leather shoes. Even if you don't own pets, you're going to come in contact with something from a cow. And those people that own pets may be spending more quality time with something cattle-related than they are with their pets, depending on how much they like that leather jacket. And you in the back there, yes, you. You that says you don't come in contact with cows while you eat your jello. Why don't you look into where the collagen used to make the gelatin comes from? Cows are integral to our lives, so for the average American, these episodes may show you how much hard work goes into raising cattle. For the cattle producer and vet students, these could be very informative episodes, but I caution you. Some of the diseases I talk about that are causing problems for the cattle in Kentucky in 2020 are something you may be looking at in hindsight or have not yet experienced depending on your geographic location. So talk to your local veterinarian about how to care for your cows. Geography is important for cattle medicine because so many diseases depend on where you are and what you are exposed to. 
I will be giving my recommendations that are unique to my economic and geographic area. 50 miles away from where I am in Kentucky might need entirely different recommendations. So use this more as a guide to what is out there, not specifically what to do at your farm. For other vets who may be listening, you probably know more about cows than me, so feel free to not laugh too hard at the knowledge I have. This is pretty much outdoor vet knowledge. I figured it out as I went, and you're probably years ahead of me in knowledge and skill. So, first things first, let's talk about dairy medicine. I love dairies. That was my favorite cattle rotation in vet school. I loved the cows at Auburn. A bunch of Holsteins that didn't want to get up at 4 in the morning, yet were going to because I had to get up at 4 in the morning, that were docile and just wanted some good food in the morning. Dairy barns had to be kept clean, so I liked that. I liked the satisfaction of getting the cows in and out and seeing how the milking machines worked. Rationing and feeding the cows was fun too, except for those black widows hiding in between those head stalls. Those made me a little nervous. But in general, who didn't love the dairy herd? And OMG, on my dairy rotation is where I met my favorite breed of cow, the brown Swiss. Oh, you dairy aficionados out there probably don't like the brown Swiss. More you like the Holstein because of how much milk they produce. Or the Jersey because, heck, I don't know, they are small. But the brown Swiss, that, my friends, is the perfect cow. It may not make as much milk as the other breeds, but it's just beautiful. It's what a cow should look like. The perfect color, the perfect disposition, the perfect cow. If I ever get rich, I'm going to buy a brown Swiss and put it in a field right by my house so I can look at it when I wake up in the morning and pet it on my way out to work. So there you have it, folks. Everything I know about dairies. Brown Swiss are perfect. Everything else pales in comparison. Thanks for listening. Next time, we'll talk about beef cows. No, 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 no. Wait, wait. We aren't quite done with this episode. How about a little history lesson? My grandmother used to tell us stories about how she would go milk the cows in the morning so they would have milk to drink that day. Almost every old farmer I have as a client started out with dairy cows. Practically every farm I go to has old milk sheds and milking buildings. My area of Kentucky had dairies everywhere. I walk into some barns and I see $50,000 worth of stainless steel milking equipment and bulk tanks. Do you know what it is being used for? Nothing. The current owners don't even know what it is. If I had someone to buy it, I'd offer the owners a dollar and make $49,999 of profit off that stuff. But alas, there are no buyers around here because the milk market disappeared. In about two generations, the countryside went from everyone having a dairy to a small handful of dairies remaining. I saw the last dairy in my practice shut down about four years ago. In 2004, there were 24 dairies in four counties which I covered. I started in 2010. By 2020, there were three dairies left, those not being my clients. That's an 87.5% decrease in dairies in 10 years. That mimics longer-term trends that encompass the dairy industry in Kentucky. In 1982, there were 8,430 dairies in Kentucky. By 2017, there were 630. Over a 35-year period, a 92.5% decrease. 
roughly a 30% drop in dairies every 10 years, with a higher number of dairies drying up in a buyout in the mid-1980s. Dairymen and women are dedicated farmers, hard workers, and have so much knowledge. The last dairy I had in my practice shut down because the milk truck would not come out for that one dairy. If no one would buy their goods, they could not continue operation, and their way of life changed dramatically. Running a dairy is hard work. You have to milk twice a day and are up early in the morning and very likely do not get to go on vacations. And then the milk market is not a very lucrative market from the best I can understand, at least at the level of the farmer. Anyway, dairies around my area effectively have shut down. The area of cattle medicine I was most interested in, mainly because the cows were easier to work with and because it is very high up on management, which is something I am good at, you know, crunching those numbers and setting up protocols for making sure maximum milk output is high, that is something that I have not really gotten to experience. Well, I helped this last area in my area shut down, but there really wasn't much for me to do but watch. I find it sad. I think at one time in my life I would have enjoyed dairy medicine. I went and visited a dairy not long ago. One of the Holsteins there took a liking to me and enjoyed licking me whenever I walked by. I felt that was a sign that unlike my less than stellar beef cattle experiences, maybe I would have been better in dairy medicine. Oh well, that ship has sailed. However, here is my parting dairy advice, which I think will get you a very long way. One, don't buy discarded dairy calves. They are not worth the money you are buying them for. Two, happy cows come from Michigan. Three, don't let ducks swim in your bulk tank. If you live by these three rules, you will go far in the dairy life. Okay, so I'm from Kentucky. Beef herds reign supreme here. Actually, east of the Mississippi, Kentucky produces more cattle than any other state. That is primarily from smaller producers because the average herd size in the state of Kentucky is 15 cows. Quite impressive. The problem is, I'm not sure how many cattle farmers are actually making money with numbers that small. Kentuckians have a very strong work ethic, but sometimes we don't follow the sage advice of working smarter, not harder. There are a few different types of cattle operations. The basic is cow-calf operations. That is what I primarily work with. This is where the farmer has a cow, gets it bred somehow, and has a calf. They then raise the calf to a certain age and sell it off. They can sell it directly to a market or they can sell to someone who runs a feeder or grower operation. A feeder operation is where a cattleman buys a calf after it is weaned and basically puts weight on the cow. They have the advantage of just having cattle for certain times of the year and not having to deal with breeding operations. They get a cow, feed it, sell it at the proper time, and after that, honestly, it gets fuzzy to me. I lose track of cattle after this, and then the next time I see them is when I am visiting Longhorn. Actually, we should probably go over some terms here. I say cows and use that to describe any bovine-type creature. But really, we have more specific nomenclature. Cows are more specifically female bovines that have had one calf. Heifers are female bovines which have not had a calf. The term calves 
covers a broad range of animals, but can be anything from a day-old calf to an animal that is five or six hundred pounds. That range can be confusing when talking with owners because handling a 50-pound calf or dosing a 50-pound calf with medicine is much different than dosing a 500-pound calf. And then, of course, lastly, we have the bull. The bull is the big boy in town. His job is to get her done, as they say. Usually the bull is the biggest of the bovines and also the wimpiest, which is quite a dangerous combination because a big wimp has a lot of muscle and weight to throw around. Now, even though I just clarified all these terms, most of the time I just say cows to cover a generalization of whatever bovine I'm talking about. So go with me and it will probably start to make sense in your head. All this being said, I typically deal with cow-calf operations. So that is what most of my discussions will be about and where my experience with cows has been earned. Out in the field, in the mud, and in the cow patties. The green badge of courage is easy to obtain and harder to remove from clothing than one might think. So this will be the close of this episode. In the next episodes, we will go over basic recommendations for care, specific diseases, and vaccines, care of bulls, biosecurity, and more. Caring for cattle is complex. Most of the farmers I work with do this as a part-time occupation. They have a full-time job and then come home to their families and then on top of that make time to feed, house, grow, treat, and maintain a healthy herd of animals. That's extreme dedication and the first step to getting steak on the table for you to eat or getting the leather for your designer jacket. It's hard work and no easy task in Kentucky because of the small herd size people are dealing with and everything that is required to raise cattle with, on top of that, the profit margins not being spectacular. While I may sound harsh to cattle clients sometimes, I am harsh because I am trying to help them provide better and more profitable care. It's easy to judge from a distance and wonder why all farmers just don't make everything perfect. But it takes a lot of work. Farmers are the backbone of America. They keep us going. I'm harsh sometimes because I hope I am right there with them helping. But in reality, I know they do some of the hardest and most thankless work around. So realize over the next few episodes as you are overwhelmed with the knowledge I am giving you, that the farmer needs to grasp all these concepts but also be out there every day caring for the animals and able to make enough money to feed themselves and the animals they care for. So I hope the next few episodes show you what we are dealing with in the cattle world and what people are doing to get meat to your table and an idea of all the care that cattle farmers are putting into animals. I've been seeing on the news a lot of people upset with how we handle cattle in America. And we can certainly improve. My grandpa told me the day I don't learn something new is the day I die. And that is true for farming. We have to constantly improve. However, I have seen very emotional people upset by what is happening to animals. And it seems they are upset because they are personifying the animal. If I may philosophize a bit, animals are not people. They don't think just like we do. The things that bother them don't bother us. Take for example my horse's fear of culvert pipes. And the things that bother us don't bother them. Please remember that. 
I criticize cattle farmers to no end. My staff can attest to that. But I know their troubles, and I have the education and experience to know and understand how the cow's mind works. And yes, I have seen abuse and neglect cases. But typically, I see a dedication to quality of care unmatched in many other professions. And guess what? In general, cattle are pretty happy where they are. Even in states that aren't Michigan. Sorry, Dr. Walls. Thanks to Eunice for some facts and figures down at the Kentucky Department of Agriculture. And I'll see you next time on Vet Talk.